0: You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. I'm going to read our teaching text today as well. And the teaching text comes from Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. You can leave that. You can leave it. That's all good. Thank you, Meg. Can we give a hand for Meg Jacobs? Um, Wow, it's a packed house this morning. All right, all right. Good to see you all, beautiful faces. Uh, If you are new here, which some of you are, and I've gotten to meet some of you, so welcome again. Uh, We have been in this teaching series, The Good Way, But it's more than just a teaching series for us, it's really an encapsulation of the rails in which we move as a community, how we function and operate as a people. And we call it the good way, honestly, it's just repackaging of something that's old and ancient uh, in the church, uh, particularly out of the Orthodox Church and the desert, mothers and fathers, those like... Christians way back in, in like 300 uh, AD, who decided to leave the city of Rome and all its trappings and kind of just give themselves to intimacy with Jesus. And what developed was something called a rule of life. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. Uh, If you haven't, you probably hear the words rule of life and you think like, okay, here are the 10 things that I have to do uh, to be good in God's eyes and here's my rules. That's actually, It's not actually what a rule of life is about. You have a rule of life, even if you don't know it. Rule of life is simply talking about the ways in which you live your life that end up making you who you are and producing the life you live. Said another way, your life life is perfectly designed to produce the life that you're living. Your life is perfectly designed to produce the life that you're living. And so if you're always in a rush, well, maybe that's because of that fifth snooze (laughs) that just sends everything on that rail. And so when we talk about rule of life, we are talking about bringing intentionality and order to our lives so that we can move into intimacy with Jesus. It's taking, is looking at our lives and saying, what's most important we believe is that as we abide with Jesus, he abides with us and that will bring forth much fruit. And so how then do we keep intentions and practices that allow for that intimacy? That doesn't prove my faith, that doesn't, that doesn't make sh- that lets me mark off the box good Christian, but lets me ensure that time and again, I am going back to those streams of living water that I am sitting with the one who tells me and calls me my name, or as uh, the priest, St. Anthony Mello says, behold the one beholding you and smiling. Some of us don't get smiled at enough, and so this is why we practice rule of life in this community so we can spend time with Jesus. And so we've boiled that down into eight intentions by which we place eight practices. Uh, These are by no means some exclusive lists. Maybe it could be shorter, maybe it could be longer, but for our community, what we have said is these eight intentions we see in the life of Jesus and, and we see these clearly and they grip us and so we too wanna order our lives as such and you can see them up on the screen. So we've been moving through them and uh, as you can notice, there's been kind of a turn, it, it starts with this daily rhythm of prayer and the story of God. And these are kind of anchoring us in this vertical relationship that Ryan talked about a few weeks ago, ordering us steps first and primarily with relationship with Jesus. And then that intention starts to move from that vertical relationship into that horizontal relationship. We really took that turn last week when Meg and I talked about what it looked like to practice simplicity and generosity, carrying a Sabbath orientation, we called it. Uh, And so by that, we are Able to give freely. And today, now we are fully moving into that horizontal orientation by examining the intention of active participation in the family of Jesus. So, now as we we receive from God a grounding and an understanding of who we are, how did that start to move itself outward? And for us, it starts here with the people that call this place home. And so, I have a question, legitimately, I'm curious. What does active participation in your family look like? Here's what I mean by that. One of the ways that active participation in my family, uh, I have two, two younger sisters, uh, mom and dad, um, is that you have to be able to give and take a joke. This was a shock to my wife, who comes from a very, I'm not going to say uptight, but um, uh, upbraided, uh, you know, something that's uh, family, uh, and so she came into our home, and, and we immediately just start jonesing on each other, right? And she's like, y'all are so mean. Uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, to give you a prime example of this, for years as a a teenager, I I was mocked mercilessly by my parents um, because I had this lean to the side. I kind of had this like, (laughs) and it wasn't trying to be cool. I just kind of had this thing and they would always just mock me like and stand up straight and you think you're cool and uh, like what, you got too much money in your pocket. Um, (laughs) It wasn't until, this is a true story, it wasn't until five years ago that it turned out I actually had scoliosis. Uh, <laughs> so maybe if they had done less joking and taken me to a doctor, uh, I wouldn't have had such a thing. when I called my mother after finding out, uh, immediately she laughed. Uh, so in my family, you you got you to gotta give it and get it. But I wonder, wh- what does active participation in your families look like? Anybody? You gotta, like food. gotta like food. All right, I hear that. Who was that? I didn't see you. Okay, great, Tam, I love it. Who else? You gotta do what mom wants to do. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Y'all are laughing, but that seems like a very serious confession. Yes, <laughs> I understand. A couple others, what does it look like? Active participation in your family. Gotta play a mean guitar, I love that. Thank you, Justin. Musical family, the Von Traps. <laughs> Couple others, I mean, we got like a little family right here, so Hope, I don't know if you wanna say what active participation looks like in your family. Oh, wow, okay, you gotta have flashcards, is what she's saying. Uh, Hope, so she has to memorize all the names of a, of a huge family. Last one, who wants to give me one? Oh, we can do both go ahead andrea then ashley rose you have to be able to like have a, political debate. have a political debate all right ooh you got thanksgiving coming up <laughs> i'm going to politely decline that invitation I, oh. ashley rose finish yourself pretend to like bird like bir- at least okay there's a lot of bird talk i'm not even going to touch that okay uh here's why I think this is so important the ways that we had to show up in our family of origin created a lasting influence on the way we show up in the world today Uh, there's a whole science behind this it's called epigenetics epigenetics And it says that essentially the environment in which we exist literally changes the way that our genes are read. So at a cellular level, how we participated, positively or negatively, in the places and people that we come from, physically, biologically, mentally, and emotionally made you into who you are and how you show up. For some of you, that elicits an amen. For others, it elicits a no-no. But there's good news in that if that's where you are. What we have found, what science and modern scholarship is uncovering is that there's there's an elasticity to our brains You've heard it maybe, neuroplasticity, literally the way we create new neurons and pathways to understanding. But also even in the ways that our cells read those genes and how our genes turn on and off, that can be changed by positive environment. You don't have to be or stay in the family that you grew up in. Thankfully, and also, You can call and bring forth some of the beautiful things about your family of origin into your life and family and communities today. And so this is why for us, one of the intentions that we order ourselves around is actively participating in this family, the family of Jesus. Said another way by our uh, former pastor, Jim Ryan, as followers of Jesus, we want to cultivate relationships of death, service, and celebration within our church family. We want to discover our God-given identity and use our gifts to encourage and empower others. Another way of saying that, what we've given ourselves to is multiplying joys and dividing sorrows. If you've heard something along that lines, it comes from something my my grandmother, uh, Janelle Boatwright, always used to tell me. She says that, that shared joys are double the joys and shared sorrows are half the sorrow. And so here in this place, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring forth the beauty from our families. We're trying to help speak into the pain that we carry forward in our family. And we're doing all this under the submission and lordship of Jesus. And by the power of the spirit that is constantly refining, constantly redeeming, where even the, the scars that we carry lead us into beauty. Now, we're going to just, I just want to give you three, three modalities or three intentions or three ways we express this active participation uh, in the family of Jesus. And I want to paint for you just a couple of, of, of practices and, and, and how this looks like uh, for us corporately and, and in some ways individually for myself. And then we're actually going to have uh, a, one of the best, uh, you know, sermon illustrations I could imagine, uh, but more on that later. Uh, So there's three modalities to this active participation in the way we as Oak Church Brooklyn show up for each other, and that's in gathering, in giving, and in growing. First gathering. So you've heard this verse probably a thousand times if you've been around church long enough, Acts 2, there's this this, this picture of the early Christians, those who are fresh on the scene after the resurrection and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. And these people are the first tasked with living out the mission of Jesus. And it says of them, uh, Luke, the, the, the writer of Acts writes, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed. the first thing I want to call your attention to is, is where the, the, our, this text begins they devoted themselves those words are what, what, is, what is being shown here is that these early Christians by devoting themselves they brought a persistent intentionality to what? Growing in understanding enjoying each other's company, eating together and praying together they did that consistently and intentionally this was their rule of life and one thing I love about this is that this happens both in formal settings. It talks about them gathering in the temple courts, right? They, they, they went into the places of worship that they held together. But it also talks about them breaking bread in their homes in informal settings, right? It wasn't just like, uh, hey, see you on Sunday. All right, see you next week, Bob. Good luck. Uh, but they actually shared they shared meals around their table. I think this is really important. You Maybe have heard me say this before, but oftentimes we as New Yorkers are lauded for our, our diversity. We're called this, this melting pot. And when I go home and all my friends are like, oh man, you ride the subway with billionaires and look how beautiful that is. No billionaire rides the subway, uh, <laughs> first of all. Um, and second of all, I, I don't think that's as, as worthy of a pat on the back that we think it is. Because yes, there are a lot of people of different socioeconomic and sociocultural designations that get on that that subway train together, but that is not a function of intimacy, that's just a function of convenience. We happen to be going in the same general direction. It doesn't mean that we are actually in relationship with each other. But if those same people are gathered around a dinner table, well that's altogether something quite curious. because that requires a level of preparation, a level of intentionality, a level of invitation. And so whether formally or informally, we want to hold rhythms and intentional practices of gathering together. The other thing I love about this is because we are in church and. Uh, If you were here and if you weren't, I I will send you back to this. We did a whole uh, series on on the messy church and we looked at Acts and we talked about, oftentimes passages like these are kind of lionized and mythologized and we lift these people up. It's like, man, they were just living the dream and like, you know, every day was like a bonfire and kumbaya, Um, but like shortly after this verse, like people start lying and stealing. There's like racism, there's like all sorts of xenophobia. It gets real messy. Um, So here's what I'm saying, this is not some picture of this like idyllic utopian people, but they genuinely brought love and desire for one another. It was messy, but they desired one another. I love it says that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They weren't just there because it's Sunday and that's what you do but they genuinely looked across the aisle like I love. Ida and Arlene, I don't know if you know my sisters. Uh, (laughs) They bring joy to my heart when I get to bear witness to the ways that they worship. They get me going, I'm like I can dance too. Not gonna outshine me. But it is literally a joy and a pleasure in my heart to see your faces. And so we don't have to do this. This isn't about just doing this because it's, again, a rule. We do this because this this is a trellis. It's an anchor. When I don't do it and start to drift away, I, I quickly find myself missing it and longing to be brought back. The second modality, the second way we practice and carry this intention is in our giving. Now, last week we talked about simplicity and generosity. We literally talk about the ways that that, that we give uh, and bringing some intentionality to that. And this carries the nuance of that because, again, all these these eight intentions, they aren't siloed. They, they, They flow into one another, right? So they gathered so that they could pray right? They gathered to give themselves to the apostles' teaching of the story of God. So all these things, they they speak to one another. But for this one, I think about giving, I think about what Paul writes to the church in Corinth, where he says, "There there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'm gonna read that last sentence again because it's what I really want to draw our attention. Now to each one, to each person in this body, the manifestation of the Spirit, the display of God is given, why? For the common good. for the common good. The mechanism for life and our unity and keeping rhythms of togetherness is found in the fact that God has placed within us gifts by which he meets all of our communal needs. There are things that you possess that I don't. There 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 are viewpoints and experiences that you have had in the spirit that you know of God that I do not. And so I need you, I need you, I yearn for you as my brother and sister to show up and reflect back to me what God has put into you. To give to me what God has given to you so that, I may, that my faith may be more complete. And sometimes it's probably the dollar in your pocket. And sometimes it's your prayer, and sometimes it's your experience. Sometimes it's your way to be able to see past my brokenness and to just give me that smile that displays the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so if we just come and we just take, we're doing a disservice to everyone. This is mutuality. What has God given you? And how can you show up? And what that means is, man, I just don't want your presence or your attendance, but I want the fullness of your humanity. It means we can't reduce one another. And as leaders of this church, you can't just become like numbers, to bolster this institution, but can we become a people? Uh, The majority of the Saturday mornings in my uh, teenage years were spent wide awake, um, unlike other teenagers, uh, because I lived in South Carolina, and it gets hot in the middle of the day, and I was tasked with cutting the grass. And so you had to get up early before the sun came out uh, if you wanted to live. And so I would get up and I would cut the grass uh, most Saturdays. And this was because of two reasons. One, uh, my father didn't care much for cutting the grass, Um, but he cared a whole lot being a military man about things being ordered um, and tidy. And so he wanted our house to to be well taken care of, including the lawn. And the Lord had blessed him with the sun (laughs) to ensure that that would happen. (laughs) So every morning I would go out and cut the grass. But, but here's what's funny about this, and I've always found this ironic. This, he didn't care much for cutting the grass. But like I said, he cared something about, about orderly and tidiness and in the, in the presentation of things. But that extended to our church that we, that we went to. And, and we went to this church uh, uh, in South Carolina where, you know, there was these things called uh, lawns. Uh, and they're like, they like huge patches of grass. I know that you might not be getting what I'm saying, but imagine <laughs> imagine like the park, but in front of buildings. Uh, <laughs> and so that, that was what existed there, and there were all these pecan trees, and there was all this grass. And the church, it, it would cost, it cost so much money to get someone to come out there and to like mow and cut all this grass. But my dad and other men in our church really cared about our, our, our church and our home, our, our home as a community, being orderly and well kept. And so they started something called Lawn Rangers, which if that is not the most suburban Baptist thing you've ever heard, uh, I don't know what is. So while I, while I got up and cut our, our grass, my dad got up and he went to the church with the men and he cut the church's grass. I was like, but you don't even like cutting grass. But his passion called this out of him. And it called him into relationship with these men. And honestly, they did way more gabbing than they did cutting grass. (laughs) But the church looked beautiful and they found community. And the church was able to have what it needed. Its needs met by the people that showed up. Giving and receiving. This is the type of intentions and practices that we that we can keep. And so how we do that here, uh there's like on our website spiritual gift assessments, where if you've never even thought about what giftings do I even have, maybe you've never even been told that you had something of value to offer anyone. You you do, and you are. You, you, you have extreme value, not even just in what you do, but in your your person and humanity. And then that gets expressed in the things that you do. And so we welcome that. We also have plenty of ways to serve this community, from our kids upstairs, the way we get to show up for them. And they are having a blast. You don't hear them, but behind those walls, pandemonium. Uh, Maybe not, because my son is not here today, so. uh, But maybe your rule of life includes, maybe there's not yet a practice, but maybe it's an intention. Sometimes in our rule of life what we set are intentions and so we say, uh, well it may not be that I'm serving kids every week, that may be the practice, but maybe the intention I am setting is that I rhythmically inquire, what are the needs to be found in this community? And I see where I may possess the answer or the fulfillment of that need. Maybe that's just the intention that I keep. I'm going to regularly check in. And if I can meet a need, I will give of myself. Lastly, growing. This brings us to our teaching text today. Uh, So the writer of Hebrews uh, is writing to these first century Hebraic Christians, these former Jews or, or messianic Jews who are suffering uh, persecution, and there 's been uh, a, a swath of defections as people are are leaving this newfound faith because frankly it just is it, costing a lot, and they just want to kind of go back to the old ways and so the writer of Hebrews, which we don 't know much about but was likely a woman, um, she, she writes this to these, this, this, this audience of, of, of new Christians, Messianic Christians. She says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised, speaking of Jesus, is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As I said, we did this whole series uh, called Messy Church uh, a few months ago and we did it because uh, there is a temptation in these churches on Sunday mornings where we have the freedom in this society to gather here, you didn't have to sneak in here we can be as relatively loud as we want. Uh, everything feels kind of good in here. Everyone's smiling and laughing and looks nice and it's it's kind of great. And if this typifies what we know of our faith, then we'll be deluded because Jesus promises that outside of these doors, and let's be honest, even sometimes in these doors, there is trouble. Living the way of Jesus is, is not for the faint of heart. It requires everything. Make no mistake. Everything in life is hard. Living without Jesus is hard. Living with Jesus is hard. Choose your heart. I think that's a commercial. <laughs> there are so many things in this world that deforms us. And yet with the work of the Spirit and the way of Jesus, what it is doing is that it is making us more radically human. That is the purpose of the Christian faith, to make you more fully human. To remind you of how you were truly created and intended to be and to bring you back in that harmony. And so, If we're gonna do that, if we're gonna walk in the way of Jesus, if we're gonna become more human, that requires community. And it requires us pushing us one another on. It requires us supporting one another in our growth. And so where we we are weak, we seek to become strong. And so we go to the gym and we bring a buddy and we let them watch us as we push these heavy weights or they walk with us and run with us and help us move past what we thought we could do. And so the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying to these early Christians, let us consider, let us devote ourselves, let us bring some persistent intentionality to the ways that we move one another towards love and good deeds. And so the practices that we keep, some of the things that we keep here, we have like new believer core groups where people are just coming into the faith and they get in cohorts and they just walk together figuring out exactly this. How do we pray? How, do we, how are we going to live this out in our daily lives? What does this look like in my vocation? We have things like uh, our, our community groups and our core groups. These are intentional places where people, we gather together to do life together. Where you can see each other and talk way more than you get to here and now. We're on the development of something called Car. Maybe you've heard of it. If you haven't, it's our life-to-life discipleship. It's, it's those people who have, who have walked uh, a distance in their, in their spiritual life saying, hey, I want to turn around and help someone who is behind me walk forward to move into deeper relationship and maturity in Jesus.